this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find my conversation with Matthew Dix, uh, storyteller and productivity maven. It's on there now. A great conversation. You can check it out at authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. And uh, you can go, well, we got a conference coming up this September. Yeah, it's coming up just about a month. And I'll be there, and a lot of cool people will be there, and I hope you will too. So go check it out at pnwa.org. Well, my conversation with Colleen Story, that's her actual name, writer, writing coach, musician, interesting woman. We had a conversation about her journey from music to writing different kinds of stuff to nonfiction, now to fiction, and uh, wow, just very cool woman. Uh, she is a freelance writer, writing coach, and a speaker with over 20 years in the creative writing industry. Uh, her latest release is The Beach Ones. That's a novel. And her previous novel, Lorena's Gift, was a Forward Reviews Indies Book of the Year Award winner. She also has three books uh, for writers, one called Your Writing Matters, the other Writer Get Noticed, and finally, The Overwhelmed Writers, or excuse me, Overwhelmed Writer Rescue. Um, she's also a lifelong musician. She plays French horn in her local symphony and pit orchestras. How about that? Yeah. And, uh, well, anyway, interesting woman, cool conversation, and uh, I'm glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. Colleen. Colleen, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Bill. I'm excited to be here. I've been watching you for a long time. So thanks for what you're doing for authors. Yeah, you know, that was interesting. We were just chatting and you mentioned that you'd come to the Pacific Northwest Writers Association for the first time in 2007, which is just when actually I started working with them. And it was a year later that author came out. So you've been sort of growing up as a, um, I guess, as a creative. I mean, you've been writing in some form for years, if I understand your biography correctly. Is that That's fair? right. Yeah, that's right. Um, were you writing? So you, I mean, you have, you're leading a very interesting life, doing a lot of stuff <laughs> from music. Thank to, you. <laughs> well, yeah, just doing a lot of stuff. And so, but was writing sort of always, was that going to be the main thing or just one of your many skills that you could employ as a professional? It's something that I always enjoyed growing up, but music was my first love. That's the mm. thing that I turned to first. I was begging my mom for a piano when I was five. Wow. So um, that was kind of my first track. I went all the way through and got my degree in that, my Bachelor yeah. of Arts in that. But then I kind of uh, took a break. I finished college and I moved up to Idaho at that point. So to, and I, was, I got the degree to teach. I would have had to go back to school to get classes to teach in Idaho. I kind of wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do at that point. I love teaching, but the whole public school system was a little bit and interesting yeah. as far as for a music teacher, you didn't get a lot of time to teach. You were basically running here and there for all the different performances and trips. Yeah. So I took a minute to, you know, just to think about it. And that's when I got bit by the writing bug. I had always enjoyed writing and I don't know really where it came from. But I, and this shows you how long ago this was, I went into a Sears store, saw a brother word processor and thought, I have to have that because I want to start writing stories. Wow. Oh. I don't know why that came out of the blue, but it did. So I spent about three years 
working on writing stories, got Writer's Digest, and started just, you know, educating myself on it, and got my first little short story published, got 10 bucks for it, framed the check, and thought, hey, this is pretty cool, um, and then I got my first job as a copywriter, so that kind of launched me so into this I mean, other career. You could have taken on students, you know, uh, most of the musicians I know. And I do, I, okay. I do, I still do do that, yeah. Oh, you do, okay, and you're a French uh, hornist? Yes. Is that the correct word? I was a flute player, so I was a flautist, but it's-, it's There you go, actually, we just string. call it hornist. Yeah, or hornist. horn player, yeah. That's not a good, that's a bad name. I don't know, I think I would- <laughs> We think for, it's awesome. Very well, simple, it, straightforward. Everybody knows it, what the horn is. <laughs> well, the horn, yes, hornist sounds like. Okay, so you're still teaching students, to, so you still yeah. have private students, okay. Right. Uh, but you saw the writing as a thing, and, um, and so short stories, but you started doing nonfiction as well, yeah? Well, my job was nonfiction. So Which, your job as a, was as a, a copywriter, I was getting paid for nonfiction from day one. And I kind of moved into the specialty of being a health and wellness writer. So yeah. after three years at the corporation, I went off on my own as a freelancer. And I've been doing that full time ever since. For over 20 years, I've been a, an independent freelance writer in mainly the health and wellness industry. So the nonfiction, you know, was kind of the first area where I was really making money and really had an established career yeah. going. But my dream was to publish a novel. And so I was working on that while I was establishing the regular writing career. And so how was, I mean, so you're writing ad copy and then eventually at magazine, articles, magazine, articles, interviews, sort of, you know, yeah. web copy, everything like that. Right. And, and you, and health and wellness, because I mean, you list you like yoga. And so you, you're obviously I'm, you can't see your viewers, but you're a very healthy looking person. And so <laughs> you probably, you probably like to Knock exercise. Well, you know. well it, I didn't go into it from my choice so much as the company I was working at had several different uh, categories of products they were producing. And uh, the guy that was running the health and wellness department just kind of grabbed me. And I started writing research-based uh, brochures and wow. white papers and things like that. And I had a knack for being able to explain difficult uh, scientific you know, subjects for the layperson. And so right. they just kind of shuttled me into that arena. And it was just a really good fit because I, I enjoy it too. I enjoy trying to help people, you know, live their healthiest lives and stay out right. of the doctor's office. So, right. you know, it just worked and it was really more just a connection of, of the job and the, and the type of work, you know, person that they needed with kind of where my talents were. Did you, so you're all the time, you're still toiling away doing what a lot of us do. I would go in early. I would go like in an hour early to the right. corporate office when nobody else was there, leave the lights off and just, you know, write on my novel. And you're at the age, it sounds like where if, if you were going to raise a family, that's something you might do. Were you, did, is that something you did? I did not. My, my relationship, my marriage did not work. So when, by the time I got my freelance job, I was out on my own. Right. And I've been that way ever since. It's just the way okay. it's kind of worked for my life. So yeah, I, I only I bring it up to worry about that. I only bring it up because I'm always interested in the, all that we juggle to the balance to, and yeah. often chick kids is one of them, you know, but not always. So, um, all right. So you're, there you are, but you're doing this full-time job and, and, you know, paying your way through life, which is a thing that adults have to learn how to do. And, but you're doing the creative writing, as you said, an hour earlier, um, did you, so you've written some books about this. Uh, <laughs> did you have to keep your, your, your spirits up? Did Colleen get down or is she just such a plugger that it wasn't, didn't come into it? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that kind of happened later for a long while. I was just so driven 
to make this work that first it was, you know, writing in the mornings before the job, then it was, okay, I'll go freelance, then I'll have more flexibility in my hours and I can devote more time to my fiction. That was really the main reason I wanted wow. to go freelance. Okay. You were scheduling it um, around that. Though. I was, yeah, I, that was my main goal. I was kind of like, if I can get a novel published, I can die happy. It was that important to me. Oh, so um, okay. then I went freelance and I did have more time um, in a way you know, when you run your own business, you're kind of devoted to making that thing work. And I was lucky as I had some really good clients early on, but you're still, you know, you make hay when the sun shines, as they say. So when your clients need stuff, you're putting in extra hours. So it was still not, you know, the ideal I hoped it would be. After I had done my business, the business is going well, I'm making it as a writer. That's when I started to struggle a little bit with that whole is this really going to work? Am I really a writer? You know, why would right. I think I could be a published novelist? I mean, I, I had the evidence that I could be a copywriter. I could be a freelance writer. I could be a magazine writer, an ebook writer, a ghost writer. But could I be a novelist? That was a whole different thing. What? And the delay in that happening definitely did challenge. It started, started adding up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you think about the difference, I mean, I, look, there's a lot of differences. I know what they are, but let's talk to our, let's, just inform our our listeners like what is the difference between being a copywriter i don't want to disparage copywriters or certainly <laughs> article writers but it's different than the, than fiction um, it's a whole different part of your brain yeah right and and what how would you describe that different like what is the difference in terms of your brain when we talk i think the easiest brain? way to think of it at least with the way that i approach it is that um any sort of nonfiction writing to me feels very left brain. It's very organized. You know, you outline it, you know what you're going to talk about, you know, where right. you're going from beginning to end, there's steps along the way. So it's kind of very easy to map out. And then as long as you can think it through, you know, I think a lot of nonfiction writing is just thinking, you know, if you can think clearly and go step to step, then you, you can usually write something very clearly. So that came pretty easy to me. The whole uh, fiction part of it, which I enjoyed more, was more, to me, felt more right-brained. I, I felt more like I was listening and the story was kind of coming through me or I was channeling it or something. So I had to kind of get into this other place. Yeah. Um, you, interview, you interviewed uh, Andre Dubus the third one time, and, and oh, yeah. I've been, listened to him talk a few times, and he talked about diving deep like you're a whale. And that really resonates with me, just kind of getting yeah. into that other world and kind of uh, letting it flow. And then my struggle early on was learning how to attach structure in a story to where my imagination was taking me. My first drafts would be very long. I wasn't really sure where I was going because I was kind of just following this dream world. And so turning around and, and learning story structure and getting the pacing right and getting the plot where it needed to be, that was all challenges for me that I had to learn how to do early on. Right. But just two very different processes for me. Yeah, it is interesting. Because it depends, I should say to our listeners, that I write nonfiction, but this at the moment, but it's pretty, I use the part of my mind so close to the part that I used when I wrote fiction. It's so close to, because I, mm -hmm. it's creative nonfiction. I mean, there's all different right. types, you know, if it's close right. to memoir and personal essay, it's very close. But and I would think you'd be in that world too, where you're having to kind of drift back into memory totally, into where you were totally. before. Totally. In, mm -hmm. in fact, I will say, I wrote a book called Fearless Writing, which was based on a class I was teaching. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'll just write the class. And I was bored after one day. I said, okay, I can't do it that way. I can't <laughs> exactly. do it. Like I, I've got to act like I've never taught this before. So I'll be interested because I just can't. Um, yeah, I hear you. Discovery. So that's when we talk about the left, the right brain. Um, and because what you really did is you marry, I always say to my students, you're taking the classically male and classically female sides 
the, the male constructive, the female receptive and marrying them to create something new. You need both. You need the receptive and you need the structure. So you were doing that. Your linear mind that you had so harnessed for your career, <laughs> you brought it in. And, and, and was, it, was it a relief when you saw how you could use that part of your mind in the creative or was it really a struggle to To, to me, it still felt like, it, it felt like yet a different part. It didn't, mm. to me, adding structure to the novel didn't feel like the same thing as what my nonfiction writing is. It felt like yet a different step in the fiction writing because I still use intuition and um, I don't know what else you'd call it as far as, I think it's more, I have kind of absorbed what structure should be over the years from reading books about it, from listening to right. workshops about it, from working with editors about it. And um, it's just kind of sunk into me slowly and gradually. And um, I still don't, you know, I don't outline my novels. I'm, I'm a pantser all the way, sure. but I kind of have more of a sense now of, of where the structure needs to be, you know, where the high point needs to be, what, where the inciting incident is, where, you know, all that kind of stuff is starting to sit in my brain. So I still don't block it out like I might a, a nonfiction right. piece. Right. I mean, I do think that whether you're writing narrative, I think I think of it as narrative nonfiction, which is Right. No more personal. Whether you're writing that right. or fiction, the thing you're eventually going to have to ask yourself is what's the problem? What, right. what is the problem? Because if there's no problem, there's no story. And you might well, have what's a, your main character after. I mean, the exact the same thing. It's, want has really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy, oh, I always forget his Aaron Sorkin um, did it. Does you know that masterclass uh, series that everybody, you know, you can do. You can, yeah, yeah. Aaron Sorkin who wrote, well, he wrote the West wing. He wrote a few good men. He wrote, he's, mm -hmm wonderful genius uh, yeah yeah and he did a class and i my wife was listening to it and or watching it and he said very simply if you want to boil story down in terms of fictional story what does your protagonist want and why can't they have it because if they could yeah. have it there'd be no story and they have to exactly. want something and there's to be some reason they can't have it whether it's in their mind and one of the or, things so true and one of the things that's helped me is really focusing more on the protagonist in, in most of my stories, you know, I wrote, write multiple drafts because I'm a pantser trying to figure right. out where I'm going. But in most of my stories, I've found that I need to turn more focus onto that protagonist who's stopping this as opposed to getting what they want. As opposed to the, the, the setting or just the story, like what were you focusing on instead of that? I would have the protagonist there in my early drafts, but not, not clearly enough. And right. I wouldn't understand that protagonist clearly enough. I kind of knew who they were, but didn't understand them as well as I did my hero or heroine. Yeah. And so I found most of the time that when I get to the, the later drafts that I need to focus more in on that protagonist and what they want and what their goals are, what their motivations are. Yeah. And that always helps me really get that conflict down better than it seems to be at the beginning when I just sort of have an idea. Well, you said... You had this career and you thought, well, I'll die happy if I can publish a novel. Well, <laughs> you've published a novel. <laughs> Three of them now. Three of them now. All right. So the first one, so this, the first one, God, I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember all the things you've written. No worries. You, so you, Rise you wrote, Sedina, yeah. you wrote three books for writers. Three and that was kind of in between. <laughs> that was in between them. So what was the first published novel? The first published novel was Rise of the Sedina, and that okay. was published by a small indie publisher that went out of business, unfortunately, so the yeah, book is no longer yeah. in print. Well, but that cool. was my first one. And actually, PNWA helped me with that first one. I, I won an Ooh. award with that one for the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the contest, uh, yeah. 
the novel in progress, you know, yep. part yeah, of yeah. the contest. So it was really encouraging, you know, to be to be going to the PNWA at that time and um, getting that feedback. Yeah. And that was my first novel published. Um, when it was, was that? After that, that was in 15 that it came out. Okay. I All got right. the contract in 13 and it came out in 15. All right. So you got a small so, press. They got right. it out. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about what I was doing as yeah. far as marketing or anything yeah. goes. No. And you know what? <laughs> but, Neither uh, did the small press, probably. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Very true. But, you know, they did get me going on. Okay, you need to have a website. You need to have a platform yeah. going. I didn't know anything about any of that. Yeah. So I started working on that. Um, I got the contract for my second novel with Dezank Publishing. Um, and that one came out in 16. Okay. So I knew when that, when I got that contract, I knew I needed to step things up. I needed to get, you know, this was a publisher I was really happy to be with. It was an indie press, but they were really reputable and right. I wanted to do better as far as trying to help market the book. So right. I was like, I need to, I need to get a better website happening. I need to get a better blog happening. So I was like, you know, what can I do? That's going to stick out. What's a niche for me? Cause I knew you kind of had to find a niche to be able to pull readers your way. Sure. So I ended up combining my day job, which is the health and wellness work with my love of creativity and put that together in my blog writing and wellness. Well, that took off. So I started getting readers. I started getting subscribers. I started building a platform. And it was from that platform that my nonfiction books came because I was answering questions that my readers were giving me. So it happened organically, really yeah, happened organically. Yeah, it was really cool. I never saw myself as a nonfiction book writer. That all came out of building a platform that I hoped would, would support my fiction writing career. That's so interesting because, um, you know, a lot of the work I do in addition to these interviews, but most of the work I do is about sort of about writing and wellness, actually, but it's sort of psychological. I've noticed that there's some things in common there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, because I teach workshops on self-doubt too and stuff like that. So that's right. That that's common. right. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, to me, it's the whole game. I, I just think I was just writing about my yeah. life when I used to do sports and I was like, sports was all mental. It was just a complete ability to focus. Music is physical, but it's so mental. You know, it's funny. I'm studying. The, taught, yeah, I'm studying the guitar. I'm taking guitar lessons now. I've played some piano. And I, I was just reminded, like, I can't be thinking about notes. I have to be thinking about music. But if I start thinking about notes, I lose. I actually play wrong notes. But when I start thinking about right. music, and but that's such a subtle thing because it's easy to say, oh, I've got the wrong note. Oh, the chord is wrong. Whatever it is, as you know, and that's a subtle thing, isn't it? It, and it's a challenge, boy, no doubt. Shit. I mean, especially on the French horn is so very picky. I mean, if, yeah, I did classical flute. All yeah, it's the same. On, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have any, if you're not completely focused, if something distracts you, you're going to miss that entrance. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah you've got to be just, and it's everything so precise. It, I mean, I just started sort of getting the hang of it for 20 years or whatever. And then I said, forget <laughs> this, man. I'm going to bang on my piano like a caveman and just enjoy myself. Um, all right. So you started to, and you must have liked, you must have liked doing the, the work with the writers. Um, I really did. Yeah. I found it really rewarding. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the things that I had, you, you asked if I had struggled with things like motivation and was I going to make it? And I definitely had. And so being able to put that experience and what I had learned and I, you know, I, I tend to turn to research a lot because, yeah. you know, my job is always research heavy. And so it's just very natural to me to research a topic like self-doubt or, you know, persistence or, you know, things like that. And so I really dug into it because I wanted to keep going. I didn't know if right. I would ever be a published novelist, but 
I researched those issues and started sharing those blogs with other writers and getting a lot of feedback. You know, I'm sure that you know that every author was struggling with this, with the self-doubt. Yeah. Am I good enough? Yeah. Should I keep trying this? Is this a waste of time? And so, yeah, it was really rewarding to, to put, you know, some material out that I felt was helping other writers. And then I started getting calls to go teach at workshops and that sort of thing. And I love doing that. Isn't that great? That in-person kind of connection. Yeah. 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 Here's a, here's a, here's a little tidbit for you about self-doubt. You mentioned Andre Debus. So he wrote his memoir, Townie, which yep. I loved. I just, I, I read it. I was like, too. wow, I just loved it. And I was going to interview, I interviewed him for it. So I met him at the hotel and I, I had met him before and I was really excited to get to talk to him about the book. Cause he had actually told me some of this, just like we were just talking at a conference and he, and then to read the memoir version of the stories he had sat down and told me it was very interesting but but i sat down with him i was aware like i don't like to heat praise on people it gets kind of weird so i was like andre i said i want to tell you i like this book but i don't want to kind of go overboard with it And he's like hey man lay it on me i'm an insecure <laughs> writer like everybody else and i thought it's so interesting because this is a guy who had had tremendous success both critically and professionally but it never ends colleen we always never have ends. to you got to keep finding your confidence regardless of what the world says, good or bad. Again about. and again. Yeah. I, I have some techniques that I, I teach writers for how to do that. Cause it's, yeah, I, I call one. it the self-doubt monster. That monster is yeah. always going to be yeah. there. So here's right. how you got to cope with it whenever it comes up. Yeah. Give me one. Cause I, that's what I teach. I'll, I will, if I borrow it, I will attribute it to you. <laughs> so <laughs> give, let me hear something. I'm interested as a fellow prof professional. Well, I teach them this, this three-step process. First, you find out what triggered the self-doubt. It's always good. something. Somebody says yeah. something yeah, or yeah, maybe good. your story is difficult yeah. and you're struggling. You find out what triggers it. Then you notice your habitual thinking because it's all a habit. We're like yeah. mice in a maze. Yeah, but yeah. Here comes all the negative thoughts. I'm not good enough. Yeah. This isn't good enough. I should trash this story. When you notice those negative thoughts, then you know, ah, this is a self-doubt attack. I call it like a heart attack. Here it comes. Right. Oh, good. So you become aware of it that way. And when you become aware of it, the third step, and it's really easy, is you just take action in the direction you want to go. It's right. like that quote by Van Gogh that said, you know, if you don't think you can paint, then by all means paint and the voice will be silenced. If there's a voice saying you can't paint, something like that. Right. Um, and so, I, I, you know, it's like take action in the direction that you want to go. So like if the trigger is a critique and you're worried that your story is no good because here's all these critiques, here comes your negative self-talk, then you actually go back and work and fix those things. Because yes. every time you go back and work on the story, fix the, the problems, you feel better, you feel more capable and the self-doubt falls away. So it's all about that three-step progress. If you take action toward what you want to do, it always fixes it. I like that. I would think that what's interesting about your technique, um, I think there's an aspect of it which is going to be surprisingly effective even beyond it in my experience, which is, so I love that you go back to the event, right? Because it always comes from something, right? Mm -hmm. And then your reaction to it. But I think what's what the magic I think even before the action, although I think that's important too, is that if you notice the action of saying, oh, I was thinking it, you right away put distance between yourself and the thinking is the problem is, exactly. you have to remind, it's just thinking, it's not reality. That's right. And as soon as you can observe the thinking, it becomes less powerful. Oh, look exactly. at me. As opposed to just, oh my God, I've realized the truth and now I'm living with it, right? <laughs> oh, it's so true. And, and, and that's why I call it self-doubt monster. I actually hand out monsters in my class. <laughs> say it's outside of myself. It's this monster yes. that's causing it. Yeah. You know, then I can I can objectify it more and I can deal with it better than if yeah. I think it's just the truth. You know, we often think our thoughts are just the truth. We oh, we, well, you know, what I love about writing, Colleen, is writing is thinking on purpose. And so exactly. when you write, you say, 
if I don't like that thought, it goes like that doesn't belong in my story. But then in our lives, we think stuff, we go, I'm, I stink. All right, I'll leave that one in there. I can't write. I'll leave that one in there. It's like, edit it's that so out, true. right? <laughs> edit, but, edit, delete, edit, edit, edit. But no, if it's our, if it's our stories, we edit, but then we think. It's so all kinds true. Of That's a really good point. That's something oh. to remember. Well, it's like we do it all. We're thinking on purpose. Learn to do it. Well, my life's goal now, Colleen, is to live the way I write. In other words, to have the same deliberateness, the same consciousness, the same openness, receptivity that I have when I write. And I'm getting better. I'm getting better. It takes practice. Yes, I'm I'm with you on that. Daily practice. But yes, good goal to have. All right. So it's been a few years. So 2016, book number two. So here it is, 2022, The Beached Ones, uh, speculative. We'll call it speculative. Is Is that fair? My publisher calls it a supernatural thriller, and I think that's a pretty good All right, good enough. Yeah, speculative, supernatural thriller. I like it. Um, Are you happy? How do you feel about it? I am thrilled. It's a fascinating story, very different, very creative. uh, Thank you. My second novel was Lorena's Gift. That was with Dezank Publishing. I felt really good about that one. But meanwhile, I'm working on this book, The Beach Ones, and it was a struggle and a half. I have to tell you, I could not figure out how to tell this story so that it would work plot wise. I, I knew kind of it's what needed to happen, tricky, but the plot tricky. was was difficult. And yeah. um, I struggled with that for years. And I came to the point where I was like, OK, nobody's ever going to publish this. That's fine. I just need to finish the thing so that I can be at peace with this because it right. was really close to my heart. So um, I finished it finally and it took me many years and um, and then submitted it out and to have uh, Cam Cat accept it and be so enthused about it. It was just such a great yeah. feeling to have that happen. And now it's out there and it's getting good reviews and I'm, I couldn't be happier. I'm, I'm just thrilled. I feel like this is the best novel I've written to date. And um, starting to really feel more like a fiction writer at this point. Oh, and uh, so, right. yeah, I, I well, maybe one really of these days, maybe it. book number seven or eight, you'll feel like a writer. <laughs> <laughs> who knows, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it is a tricky story. I, as I was reading, I was like, oh, Colleen, what have you taken on? What have you tried to do? <laughs> this is, I could just feel, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I could feel the hours of work it would take to like make sense because it's not a typical story it's not told in a traditional really traditional fashion i won't give away too much but person is bouncing around in reality a little bit and um and it it's 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 easier it's sometimes easier when we're just following something that resembles reality as we live it right and so you were having to expand that you know i just thought it, it reminded me just a touch of i just watched everything everywhere all at once which is a oh did you i haven't seen that yet well yes and my wife watched it with me and she writes and we were like oh my god how did they write that how did they because it's it's what they do is not dissimilar to you in terms of bending reality and moving things mm-hmm. around and different different dimensions yeah different dimen- literally different dimensions but they make it all come together I thought so. But as the writer, I was like, oh, Jesus, this is almost giving me PTSD because I know how hard this would be to make. You don't just get to this doesn't come out easily. No way. No way. Well, yeah. All right. So you got to feel good. You got to feel good. You, 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 and what I love about that story, Colleen, is you gave up. You said no one's going to publish it, but I'm just going to finish it anyway. Sometimes that is the moment. You know, in the hero's journey, the death moment where you, you know, you probably have learned the hero's journey at this point. Or maybe, oh, oh, yes. Oh, okay. There's always a death moment. There's always a moment of death in. That in didn't each- feel like the moment of death to me. Um, I know what you're saying. And, but it, and that's that what it sounded been. like. I give up. I'm just going to. <laughs> that could have been that, that issue. But I think what it was for me more um, was a commitment 
you know, because wow. um, early in my career, and I warn other writers about this, I would start start a story. And if I didn't feel it was, quote, working, I would abandon it and start a new story. Well, hmm. bad approach, because you never learn how to finish a story. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, you're learning how to start a story, but you're not learning how to get over the toughest part of it, which is the middle and actually bring it to a conclusion. Yeah. So um, I, I learned, you know, it was like around 2010, I took a workshop uh, with Dean Wesley Smith out there in the, on the coast when he used okay. to be out there. And um, he, he mentioned that, you know, you, you, you can't just keep starting new projects. And so that was really helpful to me. And that's when I started gaining some real traction as a fiction writer was you got to just finish this darn thing, whatever happens. So, um, of course, by the third novel, I had my eye more on publishing. I've had two others published. I wanted to publish this novel. But the deeper I got into it, and the more I struggled with it. And it also deals with some pretty difficult topics that I wasn't sure that a publisher would want to take on. So it was, you know, I just had to get to a point where I was committing to it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to finish this. And it was almost kind of like a relief. I'm going to finish right. this regardless. It's okay if it doesn't get published, but it's important to me. To, yeah. to finish this story and then I can move on to something else you know and, and whatever happens with it happens with it I, so know, it was sort of a, a relief at that point to say that and just commit to it yeah I it's so important because it you know look I write I publish I want to publish everything I write at this point in my life you know I always did but now yeah, we all do right that's the anticipation <laughs> certainly at this point right and um but that I can't be really thinking seriously about that as I'm right. Like that, right. that's this, that's a different hat I put on when I'm done. And, and I write nonfiction where I'm selling them in this, the book I'm selling now, I haven't actually finished it yet, but that's the way it goes. You know, you do this sort of proposal thing. Um, but I, it still doesn't mean I'm thinking about it as I'm right, but the publication, I think it's so important, especially for beginning writers to not try not to think about that, to try right. to just like you did dedicate to it. Right. So yeah, I think I think it brings a certain relief. And it, I think it also acknowledges that, hey, it matters that this is important to me. Yeah. You know, it, it's not just about publishing and just about, you know, getting readers and that sort of thing. Writing is also about about me and what I'm trying to do creatively and how that affects me in my life. And this story was important to me to tell at that point. So yeah. it's an acknowledgement of, you know, that's enough. That's enough of a reason to devote this time to it. All right. So. The beach one's out there. You're gonna go and go and uh, talk to the people, talk to the <laughs> talk to the talk to your your readers. Uh, how are they gonna? How are you going to communicate with them? Is it gonna be doing some Zoom events? You're gonna go live? Like how's it? How's that gonna work? I've been doing a lot of that already. There's been a lot of online, you know, book review tours. I had a my first uh, signing was a couple weeks ago at a local bookstore here in town. Nice. I okay. have another one that I'm gonna be doing in my hometown in Colorado on uh, July 23rd. Um, I'm doing a lot of online things, you know, guest posts, interviews like this, you know, trying to get the All word right, out. So bit by bit. Yeah. All right. Good for you. Good for you. All right. And is Colleen story. Well, first of all, I just can't believe your last name is story. Is that actually your last name? <laughs> it actually is my last name. Everybody asked me that. And I'm like, it was fate. It was, yeah. I can thank my dad for that one. <laughs> It's like Usain Bolt was a sprinter. Tiger Woods was a golf player. Your it happens sport. a lot. I've, I'm talking to people because it always comes up. And, and talking to people, I found out there's a lot of instances where that happens. Yeah, well, my son. More son's, than you think. I had my kid's uh, music teacher in elementary school was Mrs. Clapper. And <laughs> principal was Mrs. Smart. And so I felt like oh, no. there's like some kind of weird like kids book. <laughs> the question, was she smart? <laughs> I don't actually. I, no. I, I didn't think so at the time. Maybe it was 
that was the parent in me. Um, all right. So uh, your but I was gonna, I was going to say your website is is it just Colleen Story dot Colleen oh. M Story. Yeah, I use my Colleen middle initial. M. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I have a Colleen I have the book cover here. M Story. Here you go. Yeah. Colleen going, M Story. The there Beach is Colleen Ones. M Story, The Beach Woods. All right. So go check it out, people. Go check her out. Maybe you want to work with her. Maybe you want to have her come into your, who knows? She's awesome. She's a great teacher. <laughs> so it's worth it. So ColleenMStory.com. All right. I got one more question for you, my dear. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about all the writing you've done, all the way, including your articles and your white papers and your novels. And your book. All the writing you've done has taught you anything. It has taught you what? To trust myself. Um. Early on, that was the thing I really struggled with. And I think a lot of writers do. You have this, you're compelled to do this thing, but you don't trust it. You know, you think this is silly. I can't be a writer. I can't. And the same thing happens with what book you write next um, to trust yourself. You know, I mean, this book just kind of came to me, The Beast Ones. I wasn't sure if it's going to be anything, but here it is. And it's the biggest accomplishment I've done so far. I would say trust yourself. Cannot go wrong with that, people. She's right. Hey, <laughs> hey, congratulations. You, What's yours? Oh, you can't ask me that question. <laughs> be, you know, I would say this. Um, don't worry about the future. Oh. Forget about the future. Everything you want exists in the present moment. It's all like that. That's where that's it very is. relaxing. Yeah, that's where I'm. That's what it's teaching me these days is like, get your eyes off the horizon. Look at the next sentence. Look at the next reach for the lowest hanging fruit, my friend. So that's, that's thank, very you're good the advice. first person who has turned that around on me. In the <laughs> thousand of these I had ever done. So good for you. Good for you. Hey, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. So glad to be here with you after all these years. Yeah, you got, you got a twofer. You got a twofer, didn't you? you? Got to trust yourself, <laughs> man. That is always a good idea. And as a bonus, you got to keep your eyes off the future. Keep your eyes on the next sentence. It's true. It's true. I like that. I like it. I I think she did the right thing, turning it around. I was glad she did. Uh, yeah. So there you go, people. Another good one. I want to thank my producer R.J. Jeffries as always. And I want to thank all of you, uh, all of you out there doing what you do for tuning in uh you can't go wrong if you trust yourself keep your eyes on the next sentence and find something you love to do and do it Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 